talk-word, cringe-worthy tales. And now, your host, weekly humorist, editor-in-chief, Marty Dundix. Hi, and welcome to TalkWord. I'm Marty Dundix, editor-in-chief of Weekly Humorous Magazine, and this is TalkWord, a fun little podcast where professionally funny people come to tell awkward and cringeworthy stories. I'm very excited about today's guest. Um, she has been on the show before, but a lot of it has happened since last time she was on. She has a new book out. She has um, lots of things published. Uh, lots of twists and turns have happened since then. Um, so I'm very happy to welcome Jessica Delfino to the big show today. Hello, Jessica Delfino. Welcome Hello, to TalkWord. Oh, it feels great to be here. And also there. It feels great. Places. It feels great to be anywhere these days, doesn't it? it it's you know, it's uh, such a crazy time. Crazy time in the world, right? It is. You are in your New York City office right now, and that's in the Lower East Side. That's right. Yes, I'm in my office in the Lower East Side, Chinatown. In Chinatown. It's. A, it's. A, I, let's get technical, okay? It's sure. called Two. The area. It's called Two Bridges. It's just nestled in between the Manhattan and the Brooklyn Bridge. Very, very eccentric little corner of the Lower East Side, Chinatown, South Street Seaport, where the three of them kind of converge. And you're a uh, badass biker in the Lower East Side area from that office because you've commuted over to uh, the Weekly Humorist Studios uh, down on Wall Street, and you have a bike that is not just a bike. It's like a bike that... Like you said, a, a Catwoman type crime fighter might ride. Yeah, it's the most badassest bike in the world. Um, here, I'll show it to you. It's right behind me. Are you there? I am here. See, there it is. That's my badass bike. It's like a bat bike. It does. It's an e bike. It's got these like humongous thick top, like the big tires mm-hmm. on it. It'll just squish someone if they get in my way. And it's like and a nice, it's a nice matte black. It, it kind of has that very mysterious New York City Gotham look to yeah. it beat ride and i get all over the city really fast and in fact i i almost never ride the subway at all because it's just it's quick it's easy to use the only thing that's a little iffy about it is i kind of have to bring it with me into places I, I could lock it outside but it's not very um not a great idea in i remember York. that i remember you coming into the one 110 wall street building with this gigantic bike and we had to drag it onto the elevator <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like shameless about it. I'm like, I gotta bring my bike. Sorry, you know. And I just like push, cram it into the elevator, and I'm like, sorry, you know. Um, one time, I went to um, see a play at a college, and my son and I rode over on it. I have, you know, like a strap carrier thing that I would put him in, and mm-hmm. we would like run there. And uh, I got there, and the lady was like, "You cannot bring that in here. Strollers." And uh, and wheelchairs only. And I was like, this is my stroller. Yeah. Like, all right. And she let me <laughs> take it. In. <laughs> um, yeah. Strollers so, come in all shapes and sizes. That's definitely a it stroller. Is my it was my stroller when my son was a little younger. We went everywhere on that thing. We went we I used to take him across the bridge, which kept him so entertained to go over and see, you know, the water and the boats and. Um, and it was the fastest way to get him to and from the park, especially, you know, in inconvenient times. Like, for example, if he were to say, uh, you know, how do I politely put it? Like shit himself at the yeah. park or whatever. Yeah. Get him all cleaned up. 
That happens. You never know. But hey, the park. And then, did you have him strapped ever? You had him strapped to you. You didn't have him strapped to like a an apparatus that was attached to the front of the, or the back of the bike. No, he wasn't in like a baby basket or anything. Okay. It's actually people, like people drive those around New York and Brooklyn and stuff, where they actually they have the kids strapped to the front of the bikes, like with their own little cart. And it's yeah. it's kind of selfish, like like your kid's gonna if anyone's getting hit, they that kid's getting hit first. And then yeah. you. So it's almost like you're yeah. you have your kid as a cushion on the front of your bike. Yeah. I think those things are called like Bach feats or something. Mm-hmm. Bach felt like B A K F E I T or something something like that. And I believe the style or the, the, the like vibe of it, and I know this because I researched thoroughly because I was like, how am I going to get around town with a baby? You know, like, yeah. I don't want to be a mom. I don't want to be a mom who's got, like, this giant stroller who's, like, pushing it through the neighborhood and who's, like, you know, getting stuck behind people and who people are just kind of acting oblivious to and because that would infuriate me. So I was like, I got to be able to get places quickly with a baby and do stuff or else I'm going to lose my freaking mind. So I looked up Bach feeds, and those are really popular in, like, Denmark because there's no cars really and there's no traffic and you know the the bike culture is super intense there's like bikes everywhere and if you don't have a bike and you don't have a box feet you're like a weirdo you know so um that that's like a really great place for a place like Denmark or or something but here in New York taxi cab drivers do not give an f about box feet or babies or you know and people driving they do not and places like that in like Denmark and are, is it like Norse countries? People put their baby strollers just like out outside of a shop or something, and there's just like a line of babies, and like they're babies. fine, and no one's yeah, going to yeah. take your baby. But mm-hmm. if we did that here, like, A, you'd get arrested immediately, and B, someone would just steal your child. So, oh, yeah. You know, like just missing, just tons of missing, even more missing babies than there already are, yes. Yeah. It would be. But um, I wanted to be able to, you know, have all of those benefits but also, like, have a sweet ride, you know, because strollers, like, no matter what they do to them, and they've done a lot, they've ma- made them look real sexy and made them really expensive. And, but wh- whatever you do to a stroller, it's just like, it's not cool, you know. Still a stroller. It's, it's like, a, like a minivan is still a million, still a minivan, you know. Yeah, but a, but like a sweet ass e-bike, you know, add it's a true. baby, it's still a sweet ass e-bike. So, um, yeah, and I think that some people... Uh, might think that's kind of strange or unsafe maybe to be zipping around with a baby on an e-bike. But let me just assure you, baby wore a helmet. I wore a helmet. And I didn't actually, I shouldn't say baby because he was like two or like two, you know, two to three mm-hmm. was kind of prime e-bike year for us. He wore a helmet. I wore a helmet. And I, w- I probably went like two miles an hour. You know what I mean? It was, but it was faster than walking, faster than riding the subway. And um and just easier, you know, to zip around quickly. Yeah. But yeah. And what's your uh you have a son? I do. He's four years old now and he is totally um like a hellious, hellious child. I love him so much, but he's like his energy level, I have me and his dad are both, you know, we're pretty chill. I'm from Maine. His dad went to like an Amish Quaker school or something, you know. And we're both pretty mellow. And this kid is like so like jazzed all the time and our energy levels just do not match at all so (laughs) it's been a really hard challenge of being um you know like chill mom to this like 
raccoon child. And I mean, what a cool mom that you are. I mean, you're like this, uh, you know, musical comedian, sort of badass New York City comedy person who paved her own way. And, you know, you have albums out. And, and you know, if you look, if you, if you look up yourself on Wikipedia, it's all about, you know, how taboo you are and how, like, badass you are. And, you know, you have this son who's, like, kind of driving you crazy and you're the calm one. And that's kind of fun. And he gets to live in this fun, you know, New York City upbringing with a mom yeah. on a on a on a Batman e-bike. Like you guys you guys just sound like a great crew. It's we have a lot of fun. We really do. Um and he even though he has this crazy energy, he's really great um doing all the things that me and my husband want to do. We'll we'll say like for example, the other night I actually woke him up at midnight. I put him to bed around like seven, seven thirty, you know, and he's usually asleep by eight. And, um, so I let him sleep until midnight and then we woke him up at midnight because there was a slim chance that we could see the Aurora Borealis in, in Pennsylvania. Cause there's these really intense sunstorms right now going on. Mm-hmm. And so I got him up and I got him, you know, in the car and everything. He was like, where are we going? And I was like, we're going to see the Aurora Borealis. And he was like, the what? And I was like, it's just come on. It'll be really cool. We're going to go see some lights in the sky. And uh, we we drove around and tried to find the Aurora Borealis. We had to get quite a ways outside, you know, because there's so much light pollution everywhere. Yeah. We nice hill and sat on this hill in the car, and I opened up the sunroof, and we just like stared at the sun, uh, at the you know, sky until we all basically fell asleep, and then we went home. We didn't see the Aurora Borealis. But what an adventure! Yeah, and he was into it. You know, he was like, "All right, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board for the Aurora Borealis. Let's do it." And you'll talk about that in in. 30 years and he'll remember that day remember when you woke me up in the middle of the night and dragged me outside to look at the sky and then we didn't even see anything that was yeah, fun I, I hope i'm not traumatizing him. you know what i mean it seems prob i mean everybody's traumatizing everybody you're right your life is traumatizing life is it traumatizing really, but i i can't help but feel like you know i i mean i'm a human being and there's things i want to do and i'm not going to not do them because i have a baby none of them are like you know it's not like i'm doing a legal stuff or well not totally illegal, but, <laughs> uh, but you know i i don't know i just hope that one day he looks back and he's like that was pretty fun to be a kid in, in new york and to get to do all that cool stuff it's like you're an amazing mom and uh very cool mom and you have lots of cool projects and you do lots of fun writing things and you've switched gears a little bit to do a lot more writing, less performing, less performing now. Uh, obviously, we've all had to pivot quite a bit um, in the past nine months. So you've been doing a lot of writing. You have a book out, um, Dumb Jokes for Smart Folks, which yeah. is a wonderful book. Um, I know. Yeah, everybody, have, everybody has to hold up their book. We love it. <laughs> and it's it's a... This is a fun book. Like this book is full of. I was I was the kind of kid that bought joke books, um, and read joke books. All the truly tasteless jokes. I mean, there's so many of those uh, joke books, and they're full of puns, and they're full of one-liners, and they're full of all kinds of stuff. And this is just like those, but it does have a bit of an adult theme. Um, nothing's really dirty until you get to the back part where there's more of adult jokes, but. Just the yeah. way that these jokes are written, the 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 rhythm, yeah, it's it's something that you don't get from the regular kid joke books. Where this is more almost like there's uh, like running gags, there's you know rule of three type jokes that 
almost all these jokes kind of kind of run together and they get funnier and funnier, you know, from the top to the bottom of the page. And they're definitely I mean, different. It's it's a little different than your classic joke book. Yeah. And that's why that um, I had so much fun writing it because, you know, um, it's it, as a prefer, as a person who's been writing jokes for so long, it's pretty easy to sit down and write jokes. So I wanted to do something that was just a little bit more challenging than that, I guess. So I gave myself these little challenges. Like, you know, there was one that's like name an animal comedy club. You know, so it's like, what's a good name for a cat comedy club, for a dog comedy club, for a zebra comedy club, you know, and just kind of went down the list and came up with, you know, like eight stupid comedy club names that if an animal ran them, um, you know, which like some people might be like, why would I want that? Well, there's, you wouldn't, there's no reason you would need it or want it, but it's just stupid fun. And that was really like the premise of the book, you know, it's just, just a bunch of stupid fun. How long did it take you to come up with all of these jokes? Because um, Humorous Books put this out, which is an imprint of Weekly Humorous. And I know that, you know, we were talking about this book in the summer. But then when did you actually start writing this book and you turned it in around Halloween? Mm -hmm. I mean, how does one go about coming up with so many jokey joke, one liner pun type things? You know, like this is. This is hard. Like for most people, I, this would be really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I started pretty much, you know, I, mean, I had stuff written when I pitched the book, but not a lot. I had like a few pages of, of jokes and um, then I just used those and built on them, you know. So I looked at those jokes and I was like, oh, well, what would be another fun thing that would fit in this theme? And then as I went about my day, just like a comedian does where they're like, kind of looking around and keeping the antenna open you know for material and for bits and whatnot I did that but for jokes so for example you know if someone said something on tv that had a weird sound or cadence to it I'd be like I'm gonna write that down you know and um I found a really great to write which is really important and you know for me when I'm writing a song um the instrument is really important that I use to write the song Whenever I get a new instrument, I write like an album's worth of songs because it's just like there's this creative thing that comes with a new instrument. You know, it's, it's like when you have a new boyfriend or girlfriend and you just like you like them so much and yeah. you want to be around. You, know, you want to know about them. It's kind of a similar vibe, I guess, with an instrument. So with this book, I found a great writing spot. It was this beautiful like outdoor patio kind of environment overlooking this beautiful sort of like nature kind of scene. And I went there as much as I could and uh, through the seasons and I saw it, you know, changing. I kind of documented it a little bit on Instagram, but that was really inspiring to me was just to go to a really cool place where it was quiet because as a you know, mom with a kid, in some regards, it was totally easy to write jokes with a kid because he would do things and it would inspire a joke or whatever. But sometimes I just needed a little peace and quiet, you know, because this kid, um, <clears throat> he's really loud. <laughs> Did you have to try out all of these jokes as you wrote them? Did you try them on the husband and the kid? Did you say like, hey, listen to this. How's this? And they would be like, yeah, no, yes. <laughs> well, my husband is like, you know, I love him and I'm married to him, but he's such a dick in terms of like, he's my, I hate him. He's like an audience member who I would ask to be bounced out of the club. <laughs> he, he'd like sit in the front row and be like, not funny, you know, <laughs> 
<laughs> in some ways, um, that's really good because it makes me try harder to get him to laugh. Um, but then in some ways, I've just kind of given up on him because I'm like, you know what? Like, I, sometimes I can get laughs out of him. Sometimes I can't. Usually he's just kind of like, he's very cool. He's really, he's like a really cool, he's a photographer. You know, photographers, they think they're so cool. They think they're and so cool with their photography. They, I swear, I've never met a photographer who doesn't think they're just the fucking coolest. And he... <laughs> definitely um thinks he's really cool and he is he's very cool but uh you know um i did meet him on craigslist though okay so he can get off his high horse but um yeah he uh <clears throat> he definitely was that a was that a misconnection it was not a misconnection it was a women seeking men i posted an ad didn't i did i ever tell you about that <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um yeah we met on craigslist we um I posted like a men, like women seeking men ad, and it was very specific. I wrote a song about it. It's called Classified Ads, and it's on my album, I Want to Be Famous. And uh, and the New York Times wrote a story about it in New York Times Vows. Yeah, it was a really crazy thing. I and we I wrote my wedding on a unicorn. It was It's a beautiful story. Okay. But um, yeah, so... He, we met on we met on Craigslist. I met like 300 guys. I, no, I didn't meet them, but I got about 300 responses. And um, I went on four dates because I had about like 15 dates planned. Sick. I got um, I got the flu and I was like, sorry, guys, dates are canceled. And he kind of came like at the end after all the shenanigans. And um, so we ended up really hitting it off. He was just like really he was very cool, you know, and he was a photographer and he was really cute. And yeah, what a New York story. What a story that should be a movie and then people would watch the movie and be like, well, that would never happen in real life. <laughs> That's too, what I said. Too unbelievable. Too unbelievable. Because somebody sold a story like it to some movie company and I was like, That's my story. But you know, that happens a lot if you live in New York City and you're a creative person. Here's a couple things that happen a lot if you live in New York City and you're a creative person. One is that you see your idea turned into a movie or mm. a coffee or a sign, or a billboard, or an ad, or a commercial, or a business. Like that, it just happens all the time. The other thing is people that you hate get really successful, and then you see their faces on the sides of buses every day. For like <laughs> that happen if you're a creative person in New York. But um, that's good. You need to be happy for everybody that... Uh... Uh, uh, totally. I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. Because then uh, they can help you. That's why you, you got to be nice to them, because then they can help you. And you're like, yeah, I think you're wonderful. Lift me up. No? If you, Damn it. You know, to do that, those people get real weird about it. You know, and it's funny because I, I know a lot, a lot of people who have become very hugely famous. And um, because I've been doing comedy in New York for a long time. I started in 2001 in New York City. I moved here just in time for 9-11. Uh, great time to be in comedy. In great time to be in comedy. And I, I, you know, met a lot, a lot of people who, um, who went on to become hugely famous. And um, if you try to reach out to someone after they've sort of become famous, they, you know, in a lot of cases, they just, a lot of people do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they're getting a lot of people reaching out, too. It's, it's not like you're the only one that they're saying, like, I'm too busy, too. It's like, I'm sure it's a ton of people that are much less than you, that, that, that you know, they, lo they know much less than you, that are bothering them more than you. Um, but you were all, you started also in Philadelphia doing some um, comedy? Yeah. 
You know, it's a funny little story. I went to college at the Art Institute and I, I met Kurt Metzger when I was in school down there and we dated for like a couple years and like we were in love. Kurt Metzger! Kurt Metzger's a funny guy. Metzger, yeah. So Great um, voice. He was a great voice on a uh, wonderful animated show, uh, Ugly Americans, on yeah, uh, Comedy he, Central. He was so funny on that. He has a real like style in it. Yeah. But he was an amazing artist. We were in school for um, animation, both of us. And um, he, uh, he and I, and Big J and Little Kev, Kev Hart, Kevin Hart, um, you know, we used to kind of bop around the comedy scene together, you know. Um, Kevin Hart, we can, we can give him a call. We'll have, we'll have him jump on the uh, talk word with us right now. I'm sure you'll, oh, you yeah. can pick up. And I, I've reached out to Kevin, you know what I mean? An example of somebody who, he was never mean to me, he, and he was, we were friends for a long time, so I really didn't feel like out of sorts kind of reaching out to him. Um, and I think if I saw him somewhere and I were like, Hey Kev, how you doing? I honestly, I think he'd give me a hug and mm -hmm. I think he'd be like, great to see you. You know what I mean? But I, I kind of wouldn't, I wouldn't like, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't really want to ask him for anything because, you know, it's been a long time since we've known each other and we were never like BFFs or anything. I'm sending Kevin Hart a book like, later today. <laughs> Kevin Hart's getting a box of dumb jokes for smart folks. <laughs> Beat my book, Kev. No, um, <laughs> But yeah, Kev, um, yeah, he was always really nice to me. And then you know Jim Gaffigan. Knew Jim from, yeah, like um, we knew each other from around the comedy world, but I used to have a show at the Bowery Poetry Club with a couple friends, um, D Diane O'Debra and Stephanie Savelli, called Skits and Tits. And it was this amazing, amazing comedy show that was like packed. Has me hooked. I'm right there. It so fun. And, um, and he lived, I think at the time he lived above the Bowery Poetry Club. So he would come down and do sets at that show all the time. And we kind of struck up a friendship through that. And uh, yeah, he's he's always been amazingly nice to me. And then he had me, I I got to be on his uh, show that he had uh, for, what was it? The... Oh yeah, the one on TBS? Yeah, yeah, that he did with Jeannie. That and, was a funny um, show. That was a good show. And he gave you a very nice, we have a nice Jim Gaffigan pull quote on the back of yeah. the book. You have some yeah, great he, pull quotes on the back. Colin Quinn gave you a nice one. Dave Hill. Dave Hill is so funny. He's the best, and he's super funny. And all these people who, um, you know, gave me a shout out are funny, and, and I'm very grateful for the nice. Will work. Wheaton. Will Wheaton gave you a nice uh, quote. He's funny guy. He's nice. He's a very popular personality on Instagram. You know those those Star Trek -y people love him, and he's kind of kept things going. Um, you know, really, post Star Trek. Right. Talk about pivot. I mean, yeah, it's this is a funny thing about Will Wheaton, too, is uh, he was like one of my big childhood crushes. Him and Julian Lennon were my big childhood crushes. And so it was pretty I was pretty flattered when he he wrote that actually about my blog. She's a brilliant writer. And it was about my song. Um, I think it was I think it was my song. I want to be famous. Maybe I'm forgetting now, but I put the lyrics on my blog and he he gave me a shout out about it, which was really. You have some, you, I mean, you've, you've been published a lot of places. You've been published um, McSweeney's, which is a huge comedy site, um, uh, New York uh, with the Washington Post. Mm -hmm. um, and that is no, the no, most. I've ever been published in the Washington Post. I don't, um, is it the New York, New York Times? Is your, is your parenting thing the New York Times? Times a few times. Um, um, the New Yorker and. Uh, and also, um, McSweeney is, has published my satire, <clears throat> and um, 
I've also been published in uh, like some other places that like AARP has a piece of mine coming out this month. AARP. Yeah, they have they have a really cool newsletter called The Girlfriend that's um, Gen X kind of like oriented. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a piece in that called You Know Your. It's like You Know You're Forty When Blah Blah Blah. So that's a fun um, thing that I'm looking forward to. What but, do you, uh, can you give us a little taste of that? W- what do I know about being 40? I just turned 42, though I'm not recognizing it officially, and I'm <laughs> going to be turning 42 again next year because 2020 uh, birthdays do not count. That's true. They don't. Uh, I would definitely, um, you have to celebrate twice as big next year and pretend like this just didn't even happen. Um, you know, I don't really remember this. One of the things about my shit, I, I said it and forget it, you know. Um, but let's see. what The was parenting the article that you just had come out in the New York Times. That was fun. Yeah. And that was about parents keeping weird things from their children's childhood. And there was one about foreskin I, that has burned in my brain <laughs> um, after reading that. So what were some of the other things that parents ke- kept of their children, of, of, of their yeah. childhoods? One of the funniest things that I, lo- I loved about that story was that the woman who kept the foreskin in her freezer, she wasn't the only woman who told me that she had a foreskin in her freezer. So <laughs> it's not crazy uncommon and no judgment at all because you can't judge other parents. It's just parenting is too insane. And anyone who doesn't have kids, I, I mean, I, I just I can't explain it any more clearly than that um but like if you if you don't have kids it's when you click over to that you're just like so much stuff makes sense and you're like oh my god this is so fucking long i think if you saw the amount of stuff that i i collect and hoard i think i would be one of those parents too i think i would have (laughs) i'd have all kinds of weird stuff in my freezer and just practically just future proofing Mm-hmm. You keep that kind of stuff in case they they can make something to help your kid in the future, like stem cells, or you got to grow yeah. you got to grow a new kidney or something. Like I don't know, keep keep all this stuff, and then maybe they can make some magical potion out of it. Look, if you you toss it in the freezer, it's not going to bother anybody. Just right on, you know, yeah, right on the fine. back. Expiration My- date. That's fine. Do, do not eat. Maybe write that big. Yeah, exactly. as big as possible. In permanent marker. I had a, I, in my freezer, I have a very small, you know, New York City freezer that I, I just have crammed full of stuff and, uh, you know, all kinds of food and fruit and old cakes that I made that I was going to eat that someday or, you know, whatever. And uh, I, <laughs> I hoard food and I had a brownie. Someone, I went to a show and I performed and someone gave me a weed brownie and I was like, you know, I'm nursing, I'm not going to eat this weed brownie, you know, so I took it and I stashed it in the freezer. And I was like, I'm going to give it someone's going to come over one of my friends. And I'm going to be like, I've got just the thing for you, Melissa, or whoever. And I put it in my freezer. And then my grandmother, my husband's grandmother came to visit. And uh, I was in the bedroom with the baby. And I came out and she had like chocolate around her mouth. And she was like, Oh, um, I hope that that brownie in the freezer wasn't, you know, I hope you weren't saving it for anybody because I ate it. And I was like, that was a pot brownie, Gran. And she was, she's 85. She was fine. She didn't even feel anything because I don't know. She, I guess she, she's been through it she's all. On, but... She's on a lot of stuff already, I bet. She, so she was probably like, oh yeah, this is like my usual blue pill that I, that yeah. I take around three o'clock. Yeah, so it turned out okay. My glaucoma's <laughs> gone. Fantastic. Should have written, you know, weed brownie, do not eat or something. So I learned a lesson. I learned. 
when you're writing all these things and you're getting published all these places, what um, what can we tell? I'm sure we have lots of writers and uh, comedy people watching uh, this video to learn about about you and your process. So how mm-hmm. how are you getting in all these places? Do you submit well, all over the place? What do you do? Who do you who do you talk to? Um, okay, so when I when I had my baby, um, I just it was a lot harder to go and perform, but I still had f- things that I thought were funny that I wanted to say and talk about. So I started writing these little short kind of articles and blogs and stuff and sharing them with people. And I didn't really have any anything to any samples, you know. I had I had stand up but that doesn't really translate so well when you're trying to pitch a piece of satire. So I, um, I, I got a medium blog and I started writing on medium and then I had a couple blog posts that had, you know, like some views and some responses and whatnot. And I could use those as my samples to send to the people that I wanted. Like, I, I kind of like, have you ever seen the thing about the guy who has a paperclip and he trades it for a house eventually? Right. I kind of did writing, you know? So, I, I started at Medium and then I, I got some stuff over at like Mommy Nearest and then I sold some stuff over to like, you know, Red Tricycle. I don't know, whatever the mom blogs were. And I just kind of slowly worked my way up and it didn't take a long time before I had sold a piece to The Atlantic and I sold a piece to um, a couple pieces to Self Magazine. Um, so so yeah, building it, up building up those uh, uh uh, news uh, writing clips or whatever people would call them and, and building up that portfolio or of work even if it's not any place big is probably the first good steps to, for any writer to do that wants to go and get published in bigger places is you get published a lot of smaller places and do good well, writing have, there you know you have to write if you want to get published and i think that a lot of people have this like mentality of i'm just gonna i mean i know how to write so i'm just gonna write something and try to pitch it to like the biggest newspaper i can And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you might get through that way. I mean, you know, it's so bizarre. It's different for everybody. I've heard so many crazy stories. I was sitting eating a scone and Martin Scorsese asked me to be in his movie. You know, I mean, it's like just it's just not the same for everyone. But for me, um, just kind of working my way up and and not slowly. You know, it just took a couple months. It it didn't take a long time. And so that's amazing got to start though you know what i mean well i had i had years of experience like doing comedy you know what i mean when i started writing satire i could already formulate jokes i I already kind of could like come up with ideas that were i thought pretty funny and you know and i had a i was working in the niche i was working in the parenting kind of niche which i don't think there's a ton of at least when i kind of started there wasn't a huge amount of parenting satire now there's a lot lot more Mm mm-hmm even in the last like couple of years, it's just really gotten huge. I mean, you can't, I started on TikTok um, back when TikTok was like just kind of breaking and it is completely now like all, all moms on TikTok. Really? And they're great. Yeah. I mean, there's just like a million, a million funny moms on TikTok. And uh, so how do you break through on a, on a place where there's tons of people already doing the same kind of stuff? I mean, you have to make something a little bit different. You have to, you know, you got to stand out in this crowd. How, yeah. how, how do you do on TikTok? What's your you stuff know, like? Um, uh, so on TikTok, I started just kind of doing my own, like, whatever. I, I have this mentality of, like, well, I want to write about what I think is funny, and I don't really care if it fits into a mold. And that's great, but I think that it's also a little bit alienating because 
people, for whatever reason, they like things that fit into a mold, you know, and I think it's going to make more sense. And I've been, I've heard my whole comedy life, know your audience, perform for your audience, you know, and I started doing this kind of like vagina comedy, woman, you know, female power, lady girl power type comedy stuff, which it's weird to change gears and then be like, okay, I'm going to write stuff about parenting now. Um, <laughs> so... That is something that pops up on the on the Wikipedia. If you look you uh, if you look you up, it, it talks about like vagina music or vagina comedy is like in the in the first like two lines. <laughs> like one of the pioneering New York City vagina comedy, you know, and um, and it was really fun at the time. But things have changed, you yeah. know. I'm. I'm singing songs about how my pussy is magic in my 20s because I was like horny and young and crazy and you know like I wanted to like I don't know just like get that energy out and and explore it a little bit and then I had a baby and I was like oh my god this is all like a fucking trick this this like energy inside women that's like you know look at me I'm beautiful you know it's like when I got to the point where I had a baby, I was like, I felt so hoodwinked by nature. I can't even describe it to you. It was like nature had tricked me. She was like, ha ha, <laughs> did what I wanted you to do. Now get in the kitchen or whatever. Now get that minivan. Yeah, get in the minivan and go to Trader Joe's. Strap, and strap this kid to the front of your e-bike. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, definitely, um, you know, the the mom moms of TikTok, uh, I, I think all have our own voice and we all kind of some overlap a little bit but um one of my friends who i really uh have always kind of talked to and about comedy and we've kept in touch over the years her name is mandy statmiller she's a writer and um and she and she was a comedian for a while too i think she might still perform now and then and an author but she uh she and a journalist <laughs> i just want to make sure i get it all out there she I called her. It was after I just after I'd had the baby and I was like kind of having some baby blues. And I was like, I'd like to start a mom blog, I think maybe, but I don't know. I feel like everyone's kind of, you know, like have, has done what I want to do already. And she said, well, then you might as well just curl up in a ball and die, you know? And I was like, Haha. you know, it was, it was a funny way to, to say it, but it, she had a really good point. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to try to do something, then try to do it. And if you're not, then, then just, go fucking die <laughs> you know what i mean like get get your head out of your twitter don't it's a very off- it's a very new york attitude too like new york is kind of like what have you done for me lately like you better you better bring something to the table you can't just say oh i did something 10 years ago you have to keep oh, yeah. on you have to keep on producing something you have to keep on making whatever it is yeah if you don't want to do it anymore, then you don't have to, you know, you can stop and just like go buy a house upstate and start a garden or like what, you know, whatever, start a business, go sell sandwiches. Or, I mean, you know, there's other stuff to do. And I've seen a lot of people, a lot of my friends who are comedians have opened up little stores outside of the city or, you know, started doing this or that project. And I I think it's great. You don't have to be a comedian forever. You know, Um, I'm in my forties now and I didn't, I I always knew that, that, um, you know, I mean, I did have an idea that I would probably be doing some kind of performing forever, some kind of creative thing. But I knew that the material that I was talking about was not going to work forever. You know, you can't you can't be prancing around the stage in tight red pants singing My Pussy is Magic from the years of like 40 to 75, you know, and then at 75, you can start again. <laughs> I plan 
plan to return to my magic in, in like my later 70s, you know, if I should. Yeah, there'll be a reboot. You'll be a, a reboot oh, yeah. late 60s, early 70s. There'll be a whole new revival of uh, of that. Mark. Even what? Even if it's got to be on the moon. You oh, know, yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Or underwater, depending on what we're doing at the time. Dome stuff. Um, something else about the book that you uh, uh, made kind of your own, you were trying to take back the dad joke, which I thought was a lot of fun because dad jokes have become such a, a, a staple of the joke-telling world. Um, it's become an unnecessarily male-dominated joke form. The dumb, oh, yeah. the dumb joke is now the dad joke. And you were like, hey, I'm not a dad. I'm a mom, and I can tell a dumb joke just as good. As mm-hmm. these dads, better definitely, absolutely. So yeah, that was it was kind of insulting, you know. Um, <laughs> you don't think that a mom can tell a dumb joke, no. Um, but that was a fun element of the book was that I'm a mom, you know, and 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 when I make jokes to my son, he is, you know, he's at that stage right now where anything like poop or fart is like woo, you know, like those are all hits and. Um, and just, you know, anything like sudden, it's it's pretty easy. You can kind of predict what's going to make him laugh. But sometimes even, you know, just a, a dumb joke off the cuff will get him, which is kind of kind of cool, you know. And I, I wonder as he gets older. Oh, and I sent you that picture, right, of that little boy who was reading the book? Yes. And that was really fun. I think that a lot of the material in here really will cater to kind of like kids you know even though some of it is like i have this one joke that really sticks out in my mind that's like how how do you how does a um italian man woo a woo a potential romance i'm like subtexting my own joke because i don't remember i didn't memorize it but um like he invites her over for linguini and like it's such a stupid joke linguini get it linguini meanie and uh (laughs) that's the kind of thing that's in here it's like it's not that dirty you know it's not that dirty it's it's it helps to have knowledge of of words it it, you need a a fairly okay vocabulary to get some of these jokes but they're not necessarily dirty jokes no no um but but i am a word lover and i always have been when i was little my mom used to read me a, a lot of different kind of literature and so i did pick a little bit of that up and it's always kind of stuck with me um you know, things like uh, the like the Jabberwocky was a poem she used to read to me a lot, um, which I, I still remember parts of it. But have you ever heard it before? No. It's like, twas brillig and flighty toves, did gyre and gimble in the wave, all mimsy where the burrow goves and the momraths outgraved. So it's like this poem that's basically made up of gibberish words. And um, it's about this guy who goes out and kills this monster called the Jabberwock. And everyone is like really excited and happy for him. It was written by Lewis Carroll. I like so it. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff, you know, that, that stemmed this book. Yeah. You know, I didn't just pull it out of, out of thin air. You know, it came from this playfulness. Um, and I guess that's maybe where the smart folks um, come yeah, from. There's good jokes. I mean, it's like, what state is the most inquisitive? Wyoming. What do you get when you combine guacamole and bread? Avocado. It's good. It's gold. Kidding me? Number one best-selling new release in jokes and puns on Amazon. Number one. That Number really... one. How about that, Jessica Delfino? That... That's huge. Oh, I was not expecting that. That was definitely very... I expected maybe, like, I don't know, 
four people to be like, you know, but yeah, that was. That it, it was surprising. I mean, I was very happily surprised when we were checking the numbers and uh, it was popping up. I was like, hmm, a lot of people are buying this uh, this joke book. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like we it's not like there was a major uh, crazy ad campaign. <laughs> it was just like we put this book out. We, we sent it to some people. And then yep. it was on Amazon for like two days. It was got you know you have like thirty six reviews. Uh, tons of people were buying it. Tons of people were leaving yep. these great reviews. People are still buying it. A lot of my friends um, were really supportive, which was nice, and um, family members and strangers. And yeah, it was it was awesome. And something we're doing over on the website. Uh, I can pull this up, and people if you're watching this on the live stream on Twitch. Welcome if you're watching this on the live stream on Twitch. Hello, people on Twitch. Thank you for watching. If you're watching this on Instagram, this is going to be on IGTV directly after the stream. But uh, I'm showing right now, Jessica, I'm showing the Dumb Jokes for Smart Folks joke contest website where people can win a copy of this. Today is the last day for them to enter this contest. They have to write jokes and send them to us, and they can do it right from the website. Show us your jokes. Comedy joke contest. And then um, we are going to have uh, we have Mike Kaplan. We have Dave Hill. They are being uh, judges for the joke contest. Two very funny yep. comedians. Um, and then you can just submit it right there on the site. So just go to dumbjokesforsmartfolks.com and uh, you can get a link to uh, places to buy the book and you can get links to the joke contest. And it's very exciting. I mean, look at all this. It's all happening, Jessica. It's all happening. It's all happening. It's, it just happens. Things happen, you know? You have no control over it. No control. It just and then the next project for you is uh, uh, Moms Who Kill is is the working title, and uh, that's going to be out. And that is uh, like essays. Tell us about that. Yeah, so that's a book of essays by comedic moms who I know who wrote these really great, really funny, kind of touching stories about what it's like to be a mom and a comedian and try to juggle those things. And I'm just so excited about this book. Uh, it's called Moms Who Kill. I don't recommend you Google the title. Because it brings up a lot of really horrible, awful shit. And I wanted to talk to you about the title of the book, Marty. Oh, are we changing it? <laughs> we have to change it? <laughs> Google Moms Who Kill and then let's talk. Okay. <laughs> and um, You could help the rankings. I mean, we could be the number one and then all the gross things can be under us. Yeah. I mean, it could, it could help us. It could I work. think it would be, it would, it would probably be that woman who children into the, with the car into the water right is that the story oh, that comes up there's a lot there's I, it is a lot it's a lot isn't it we don't think about no. that quite so much but man I, I don't mean it's a lot like it's a lot intensely i mean there's a lot of moms there's a lot of moms done. who kill yeah well fucking hey, hard but not. Kids, <laughs> parenting is hard well you're doing great jessica you got no. one it's it's a happy one he's four yes. he's well adjusted even though the New York comedy uh, 20s music is out there. Has he been on yeah. the internet? Has he looked you up? Has he has he discovered anything from your 20s? Like any music? He's not online. He does some apps and stuff. I let him play around in his iPad um, that, you know, I just, he does like some kid games and stuff. But I, I don't, um, I haven't really shown him any of my, every once in a while though, actually there's a, a kid show that he watches a lot called Double Dip Recess on WFMU. And they played a song that I wrote a couple of weeks ago called I Like My Mask. 
And, uh, and he heard it when it was playing. He was like, that's you, mommy. You know, like he recognized my voice. That was pretty cute. That's awesome. Um, it's like when, yeah, that, uh, when like the, the the movie stars who do a lot of R-rated movies and their kids can never see their stuff, and then they go and they start doing more animated, or they do voice acting, and then their kids love, you know, get to see all their stuff, and it's like a whole different world. And then, yeah, the, I, and then it's like the parent only wants to do the kid stuff because they they love the adoration that they get from their children appreciating their work finally. Yes, I think that that must be really fun um, for kids for. Uh, I mean, imagine if your parents or some, or, you know, like someone, like, I, I always think of it, this is probably stupid, but I always think it must be really fun to be Angelina Jolie and um, uh, Brad Pitt's kids, because they have all these great movies that they're in, and you know, they get to watch them and, and just kind of almost like relive that chapter of their parents' lives in a way. Yeah, and su- super wealthy. Helps. And Super wealthy, um, and you know, lots of bullshit. Helps. Also Helps a little bit, you know. Get a get a private island or something. It's nice. It's a nice little extra. But the movies are nice. But the money's yeah. the money's okay. They probably have to have security guards with them everywhere they go. But you know, th- there are pros and cons. You know, pros and cons. Pros and cons to everything. So what's coming up next? What are you up to uh, the rest of the week? What's happening in the uh, world of Jessica Delfino? Well, this week is a busy week. There's like a lot of busy shit to do. You know, I um. I just have like a lot of yeah, just dumb stuff like doctor's appointments and. And you're out in uh, you're in New York right now, but then you also have a country house in in the in the Pennsylvania region that uh, you've been able to escape to. Yes, and it has yep. a it has a koi pond. Uh, yeah, we do have a. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. <laughs> like rich but where it's not it's it's just it's a it's like a little country a beautiful country house um and a state in uh, a state in your own way sure yeah it's it's a it's a really cozy little place and um we love to have that option you know because we have a one-bedroom apartment in manhattan it's really small and being in a one-bedroom apartment with a toddler during a pandemic is hell on earth so it is nice to be able to um go someplace so we will probably be going back there you know at the end of the week and in the meantime um let's say i'm doing a cookie swap with some friends that's awesome it's been really fun but it's like um really hard to work out the logistics of keeping it all like social distance and i bet you know so we have the, this whole thing where everyone's like going to leave their cookies out on the patio and i'm the designated pickup person and then everyone has to put their cookies into individual bags so that we can just like put them you know into and i'm wearing gloves while i'm handling the individual bags it's like a whole process but we really wanted to do a cookie swap so um we i think i think from everything i've read it's it feels like it's uh legit in terms of you know not covid uh spreading that's good that's good that's good that you you've been so thorough with all of your cookie swapping (laughs) you only want to swap the cookies you don't want to swap anything else you don't want to swap any germs you're good. Right. Um, yes. Well, fun. So well, it's a busy work week, and then I'll also be promoting um, the book, you know, more and um, and just uh, and I um, am always pitching. I'm always always pitching. So I'll be pitching and I'll be writing comedy and I'll be posting onto um, onto TikTok at just some mom, which is like my TikTok mom handle. So that's the kind of the main advice you have for any comedy writers is always be pitching. Pitch, 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 pitch. I, I like that's I'm a freelancer you know I'm a I'm a I'm an independent creative person so that's how I survive you know I mean if I if I don't work 
if I don't pitch, if I don't put material out, I don't make money. How 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 do you know who to pitch to at some of the places? What kind of research do you do? Who seems to be like the number one person that you can get to? Sometimes people just don't know who to talk to. Uh, you know, if you want to if you want to get to a magazine or a newspaper or whatever, you go on their masthead. You you find like yeah. where do you find some of that? Well, I mean, Google has taken a lot of the guesswork out of it. You didn't used to be able to just go onto Google and say, like, editor of blah, 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 and go, like, find their Twitter page, their LinkedIn page. You know, there's many different ways to reach out to people um, now, whereas it used to only be email. And if you didn't have their email, you were kind of SOL. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I usually – there's only kind of a couple handful of places that I actively pitch these days. I've kind of narrowed it down to places that, you know – now I have relationships with editors and I can contact them and say, hey, do you want this piece or not? Sometimes, like, I'll tell you, through the summer, it was so slow. I mean, I was like pitching and pitching and pitching and just like nothing was landing. But thankfully, I also was writing ghost, I was writing ghost, um, like ghost writing for this company. So I write people's life stories. Um, it's this company called Story Terrace. And what they do is they basically hire people like me to write people's life story. So, you know, grandma's turning 90 this year and everyone wants to write her this book about her life. You know, the family is putting it together. So I interview grandma for six hours and then I write this book. And that's like, that's awesome. What a cool, what a cool gig. How creative. And you get to like, you get to accumulate all of this, all this material. Then you take all the material, then you make it into a book. Yeah. And are you learning crazy things about regular people? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, the really funny, really weird, crazy stories and people, you know, people have just done so much, you know, interesting and wonderful and weird things. It's really fun to hear people's stories and hear what people like and what they don't like and, and, and get a sense of people's personalities. Normally these interviews would be taking place in person, but you know, everything's happening over the phone right now and video. So, um, but you still really get a sense of somebody, you know? And, um, so I did that like all summer and would you take that skill and then would you think to yourself, uh, maybe I'll write a novel? Like, are you are you are you in are you kind of exercising that novel muscle now because you're writing like longer stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely I one of the reasons I took the job is because I said to myself, the idea of writing a book is really intimidating to me. I write kind of short form material. So if I wrote a uh, if I if I write a book for this other person, then, I, then I, I can write a book, you know? And it was really scary the first time I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, but I wrote this person a book and it turned out really great and they were happy and I was happy. And then I've written like eight more, you know, then. And, uh, and it, now I can write a book, you know, that's actually, that's how I learned to write this book is I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can write 40,000 or 20,000 or, you know, however many words I need to, and I can do it quickly. I write most of these books in about a week. That's amazing. Yeah, so. What a cool skill that you can just kind of practice and practice and kind of get better at, like playing an instrument, you know, just like yeah. writing a lot of words in a short amount of time. I remember like, remember like being in college and having to write like a paper and you would do it like the night before or the morning of and you could just like bang out like a 30 page paper on something. And like, if I thought about doing that today, I could never do it. But when I was like 18, 19, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll just do that at 10 a.m. And I'll, I'll, I'll have it done by one. I have no problem. 
problem doing it. It's, it's just, you know, um, it's one of my guess my lucky skills that I have. I can, I can just sit down and write and write and write and write and write. Well, that sounds awesome. And if people, people want to follow you and maybe they'll DM you questions about writing, uh, on Twitter or on Instagram, you are at Jessica Delfino. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I'm, I'm at just some mom on TikTok. Oh, you got to remember the TikTok. One of these days I'm going to get on the TikTok. I made the mistake. So uh, in like March, maybe I think it was before the world fell apart. It was like a week before the world fell apart. I tried making a TikTok for Weekly Humorous. I was like, well, everyone's on the TikTok. I'm going to make a TikTok account and I'm going to uh, at least be a part of the platform. I don't know what I'm going to put there. So I was making I was making the account and it was like, what's your it was I was literally at step one and I and I screwed this up what's your age? And I was like, well, I'll put the age of, of the company, right? I, I didn't I didn't think about it being the age like you had to be an adult. And I put like when the company started. <laughs> and, you know, it made me... They were like, you're not allowed. It, made me, it made me three years old and it said, you've been limited to these videos only. And then I couldn't change the account because once you say you're this old, it locks the account and you're That's done. That's crazy that so, it let a three-year-old have an account. That's so like it made, so if, if you, I tried to get, you know, the weekly humorous account is, it does exist, but I can only look at like baby videos for other baby TikToks. And I was like, oh, so it's all just like animals, like cute animals. Like TikTok is a very different place if you're, are, you're, if you're three. Uh, so that's kind of the world that I, you know, I, I was never able to actually do the account. So then I was locked out and I was like, well, I guess I'm done. So I never made a TikTok and I, I, I don't participate. I can't see anything. Maybe one day I'll figure out how to do a, an adult TikTok. Try again. Yeah. I'll try again. But I, I was, it was amazing how quickly I screwed it up. Like it was like step one. Nope. Done. Okay. Moving on. Well, that's, that's what happens when we get old, Marty. We just don't technology the same way that. I didn't get it. I didn't understand the question. I was like, can I do a redo? Nope. No, you're done. Yeah. Because Over. because you screwed that up, you are now not allowed on TikTok. You're done. <laughs> I was officially off. I'm going to show this to people one more time. They can see the dumbjokesforsmartfolks.com. Uh, so go there and uh, enter and get your joke contest. And, uh, you'll win a book from Jessica Delfino. I think she's going to sign it. And we're going to judge your joke. And... Mm-hmm. Dave Hill, Mike Kaplan, thank you to you uh, wonderful comedians for doing that. Also, Dave Hill wrote the uh, the theme song for Last Week Tonight, I believe. Did he? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know mm-hmm. that. He's he's a musician, he's, which I think is so yeah. cool. He does so much cool stuff. He's he Dave and I, I feel like we're kindred spirits in that way. Um, Dave is like, I mean, he's so incredibly talented. He paints. He actually, he wanted to go to art school. I talked to, to him about this on his podcast a couple weeks ago. He wanted to go to art school, but he ended up, um, you know, doing something else, going to college. I forget where he went. And uh, he's an incredible artist. His art is so cool. Like he paints and draws. He's he's really special. Dave Davis and Mike is also fantastic. Um, but yeah, I feel like Dave and I have kind of a, I don't know, like if I if I could be a, a guy comedian, I'd want to be a Dave Hill. Yeah, you guys are similar in like you, you kind of you, you do your own thing. Like there's certain there's comics that are kind of like they're all kind of the same doing this kind of thing over here. They're all kind of that kind of a comedian. And you you're like a very much like you're you do your own thing. You make your own path. You do your own kind of comedy. Totally different, you know, structure, I think. And I feel like Dave Hill's kind of on that kind of vibe, too. 
um, <clears throat> sort of a, I, a renaissance credit, comedian, I would say. I think he, I don't know where he's from. He always talks about Canada, but um, I'm from Maine. So I think there's something about being from that north upper shelf up there. Yeah. Where, you know, Something's in the water. Something's in the water up there. Air or something. I don't know. <laughs> it, it breeds weirdos, creative weirdos. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, Jessica Delfino, for being on Talkward. Please contact her, follow her on all the different places at Jessica Delfino. And what was the TikTok again? What was it? Just some, just some mom. And I put a couple of videos up a day. So it's, um, I've been pretty active on there lately. Just some mom on TikTok. Get the book, Dumb Jokes for Smart Folks on, on Amazon. Please write a review. Um, because they're great to have. They look really nice, and they, they boost some major confidence help, over yeah, there. They help the book sell, too. So it's helpful to an author or to a business when you write a review. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the Kindle Unlimited program. So if you are a member of Kindle Unlimited, the book, you can read it for free um, on Kindle. So that's kind of an exciting thing. I'm a member of Kindle Unlimited. You can read, you can read your book as much as you want. Yep. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for talking, Jessica Delfino. Have a happy holiday. You too, Marty. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Bye. Well, that was cool. Jessica Delfino, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for listening and watching. And uh, we'll see you next time on Talkwood. Please subscribe to ReviewMers.com. And we'll see you next time. Follow us and visit weeklyhumorous.com.